G'day guys, it is The Coach here. Welcome, I hope you're all doing well. We are going to be doing a video that has been long overdue. Uh, no, I have, I have no excuses. I have absolutely no excuses for not doing this video immediately, uh, but I'm very excited to actually get this video done. It is talking gits, but not just any gits. We're not talking trogs, we're not talking gargans, we're not talking spiders, we are talking squigs. I'm excited. I'm so excited because squigs for me is what drew me to gits. I love them. Uh, I was playing with them with the moon clan keyword. And here we are. Never did I think we would see more rules given to me with squigs. But here we are today talking about the white dwarf issue that came out with squig rules. I am here with the ETC captain from the check, uh, check the check ETC. Uh, the Czech. There's no such thing as the Czech. Uh, but it is Adam Slovak, but I've already pronounced that wrong. Hey, Adam, nope. how are you? G'day, g'day. I'm, I'm good. How are you? On you a scale of it... 1 to 10, how did I butcher your name? It was really good. So butchering means 10, so I would say 2 maybe. Awesome, awesome. Well, Adam has been playing with the gits for whoa, my camera's going all crazy. Um, Adam's been playing with the squigs now for a while. Um, and I want to talk a little bit about um how they go about on the tabletop while I fix out my camera. But before I do that, I might just ask you, Adam, how did you get into gits and how did you get into Warhammer? Oh, how did I get into Warhammer? That's uh Quite long story, but I've been playing for around a year and a half now, I would say. The Age of Sigmar, that is. I've played the uh, original Warhammer Fantasy, I don't know, 12, 13 years ago. And I completely forget it exists for the past 10 years. And then I noticed that it evolved into something new. And it caught my eye. I like the rules. I like everything about it. So... I just jumped in and what brought me to the squeaks or gits um i wanted to have a underpowered army because i usually am the meta slave i play the strongest armies i played siege i play whatever and i wanted to have some you know game for uh, army for a friendly game and gits were amazing the models are beautiful and straight away, when I picked them, I knew I wanted to make Squeaks uh, work. And I bought the list. I built, I knew I wanted to do three Manglers list. I made the list and I bought everything. And next week, they announced that there will be extra rules for Squeaks. So <laughs> I sold half of the list and bought a different stuff. But that's how, how I got into Squeaks, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I was drawn to them because of the, uh, I guess the the models. Um, this is well before the Gloom Spike Gets book. I'm not trying to say I'm some OG type. You know, I didn't join the bandwagon. Um, for me, it was something that was really different, something that was quite unique. Um, I love this idea of the squig. For me, um, I remember doing a trivia. I ran an event, a trivia event, uh, a couple of years ago, and. The final question, the tiebreaker question, was uh, a question about squeaks, and it was, uh, "What is squeak? Uh, what does it actually mean? So, what is a short uh, short shorthand? Uh, what does it actually mean?" And uh, very few people got it right, but squeak actually meant squiggly beasts, and uh, to this day, that always kind of stood with me. 
and I saw the models, and then they obviously got an updated range, the Mangler Squig. They got the sneaky snufflers. They got the the Boing Groth. They got the new hoppers. Even the old hoppers with the little dude pulling his uh, pants down, giving you a moon, um, like as he's riding the squeak was just absolutely hilarious. So for me, the Gloom Spike kits were uh, an opportunity to have fun, but also they can be competitive. Uh, again, you know, in the spirit of context, is this a 5-0 and o army? Probably not, depending on your meta, but it is an army for me that I've had absolute fun it can be competitive. You will win some games. And these extra rules for me have really taken it up to another level because it's created consistency. Exactly. Uh, that probably was the most frustrating thing for me when I've mm -hmm. gone to tournaments with Squigs is that outside of these rules, they are inconsistent and they've been hard to plan for. Mm -hmm. No, no, I totally agree. The the, the White Dwarf rules hit the nail on the head, exactly what they needed. It's exactly what they needed. So uh, if you don't have the issue, go out and, and grab it. I do have the link down below, not the link, but I, I do have the uh, issue copy uh, in the description um, and go buy it because it is good. And we're going to talk a little bit about our list. We're going to talk about how we're thinking about the rules. And then we'll talk a bit about like how we're using them on the table because uh, both Adam and I are both squeak players. So unlike some of the other talking videos where I don't talk nearly as much and I let my guests do all the talking, I'm going to talk a little bit more because I have been running this battalion as well. Well, battalions. Mm, exactly. Before I get into those rules, Adam, just maybe at a very high level, if somebody has been interested in Squeak, someone who is thinking about picking this up for the first time and they're looking at that Games Workshop shelf, what do Squeaks do well? What are their strengths? And um, why would you consider picking them up other than having probably the best model range uh, in the market? <laughs> That was my main point. You just took it out of my mouth. Sorry. Yeah. They are, All right. Well, you reinforced my point. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what do they go, do good? Um, what do they not do good, really? They, with the rules, they move super fast. They hit hard now. Um, they have some downs, obviously. But if you want fast moving, fast paced army where you have to think about every step because a lot of things can go wrong, that's, that's an army for you, I would say. It's not a complicated uh, army. I think for me with Gits, uh, what I enjoy about them is they're a glass cannon. Mm. So what I mean by that is um, they can they can put out a punch. They can punch your opponent in the face. They're gonna it'll hit them so hard that it makes their ancestors cry. But they can't take a punch. They cannot take a punch. They're not a very defensive army. So you're not going to get many mortal wound saves. You're not going to have a high armor save. But what you do get is you get a lot of wounds. Um, and you do get a lot of punch. There's a lot of rend, um, a lot of mortal wound output, but not mm -hmm. a lot of defense. So I know when I played a Nighthaunt army recently, I just cried because the sheer amount of rend just has no effect on Nighthaunt. Right. But then you go up against another army and you just like rip them to shreds. So um, for me, it's a fun army. It's unpredictable. Um, it's unpredictable. So you don't know what you're going to get. But again, I, as I mentioned, the White Dwarf rules have made this more consistent. Well, the thing is, you don't know what you're going to get, but your opponent doesn't know what he's going to get. So it's also their biggest strength, I would say. The it's always funny. I, yeah. I, I, I don't know if it's like, like this for you, Adam, but you know, when you're setting up your army for deployment and your opponent goes, so tell me about your army. <laughs> yeah. I say, listen, this is what it can do. My Mangler Squeak can move four inches. My Mangler Squeak can also move 18. 
I don't know what's going to happen on the table. Right. It could exactly. do 30 damage. It could do nothing. Uh, so you are really playing on the spectrum of amazingness or hot garbage, and you don't know what you're going to get in what round. It can be garbage in round one. Round two, it can be freaking amazing. And then garbage, garbage, amazing. You just don't know. Yep. It's a fun element to play around it, you know. No, it's great. It's awesome. And we've got a cool chat happening as well. They're absolutely loving the squigs. So let's actually get straight into the rules. Let's talk a little bit about how we think about the rules. The way we'll start first is we'll talk a little bit about maybe the the, the initial rules that you already get. So uh, in the White Dwarf, there are additional rules that come for squigs, but it doesn't mean that you don't sacrifice you, – you, sorry, it doesn't mean that you sacrifice your – allegiance rule so you still get to use the white dwarf rules as well as you get to use your gloom spike gets uh, battle tome so adam let's take this through we've got a whole bunch of rules here N not everything is relevant for us squigs mm -hmm. um let's actually just hone in on the rules that are useful to us so from your perspective when i open up my battle tome which are these allegiance rules that are valuable to me right so let's start with the bad moon there's lots of components to it, but there are just few we are interested in or we can take advantage of if playing pure squeaks. For those who doesn't know how it works or what is it, at the beginning of the turn or beginning of the of the battle, let's say, before the first player is determined, you choose one corner of the battlefield and you set up your moon there. And then starting from the second battle round, uh, you roll dice and the moon moves. On a one, it doesn't move. On a two till five, it moves like one position. On a six, it moves two positions. And it goes from one corner to the opposite corner. And the, the corner itself is the first position. Then it's the, it affects the one quarter of the battlefield. That's the second position. Then it can be on the middle. That's the third position basically then it affects the whole battlefield fourth position is the uh opposite corner of the battlefield and the first one and then it leaves the battlefield and has no effect whatsoever i'll bring up the map to make life easy for you right. so yeah. you can see here that you don't split that you split the table up into four so you got four quadrants and you can see the move the moon moves from one side of the board to another much like a moon would move across uh, i guess the, the night sky um so that, that rule for us uh, is one that we get to tap into. So we, as a squeak player, uh, this benefits us. There's multiple ways how it benefits us. The first one is this basically everyone can take use of this is the fangs of the bad moon. So uh, if I will read the rule. If, uh, if, if your army is Gloom Spike Kids Army, the start of the hero phase, you can pick one enemy unit uh, and roll the dice. If this role is equal uh, to or less than the number of models in that unit affected by the light uh, of the bad moon, it suffers D3 mortal wounds. Right. It's a neat little D3 mortal wounds. Good for, you know, destroying the screen, triggering some battle shock. It's not that good for sniping heroes because we have to roll one for the hero. So I usually use it on, you know, the screen units most of the time, really. If you can find a unit with six models or more, you've got a guaranteed yep. D3 model wounds. If you are going for an elite unit, whether it's a monster, whether it is, uh, you've got to roll equal, uh, equal or uh, or less than the model. model. So if you, you're right, if you're going for a hero, going for that one is uh, is unreliable. And given that 
Um, you don't get a lot of use of this one. You might get two, three at most if you're really lucky. Yeah. Um, I don't like to waste that on a uh, a hero unless it's like a Hail Mary. Mm -hmm. no, no, definitely. I mean, rolling one itself is really low chance and then doing the the enough mortal wounds to kill him. Usually the screen units or the battleship tests, yeah, most of the time. Okay, so we get, we get a nice D3 mortal wounds each turn. By the way, the light of the bad moon happens in the turn, so in between rounds as opposed to it happening, happening in your hero phase. So, um, again, just keep that in mind. It doesn't actually come into play until round two at minimum. So round one, you get no, no benefits. All right. Uh, the next one we've got is the uh, Bad Moon Magic. So we don't have any natural wizards, do we? Squig ones? No. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm talking squig. I'm talking squig here. We do have magic casters, the Fungoid Cave Shaman. We've got the Web Spinner Shaman. We've got Arachnorok. We've got uh, Scragrup, the Loom King, for example. Mm -hmm. But we don't if, – if you are building a pure squig list, there is no squig no. wizards. It's sad. Wasn't there one with the – there was a narrative. There was a narrative set of rules that uh, Ben Johnson, I think, had put together in like a, a narrative battle. I remember there being one back in the days in the old fantasy. He had like the squeak holding there, wasn't riding it, but at least there was a squeak there. But yeah. So if you if you want to use magic in a squeak list, you are going to have to go outside of squeak. So what what I'm I guess what I'm referring to here is that um, it is easy to do a one or a two, like one or a two drop army um, in in this book, which is cool with the the new rules. Mm -hmm. But if you do want a magic caster, fungoid cave shaman, web spinner shaman, something like that. Uh, you will increase your drop slightly, but it's not an ally. So it's just something to keep in mind if you are going pure squig or if you're going to have like a bit of a mix. Yep, exactly. Uh, I think you really want to play at least one magician in every squig list. You don't really care about the drop there because it's so mandatory, I would say. But yeah. Yeah, and, and, and we'll show our list. We'll show off uh, the list and we'll talk why we've taken what we've taken. But uh, it's just something to keep in mind. There's not a lot of uh, people who can take advantage of that unless you go, uh, again, a uh, fungoid cave shaman, some type of uh, wizard wizard. Right. Uh, the, sorry. But the, the thing is it doesn't – you can also use it on your enemy. It also subtracts one from the cast roll of enemy wizards affected by the light. Yes. So even if you don't have a wizard, you can get some use of, out of it, yeah. So the rule, by the way, guys, is that if under the light of the bad moon, a wizard, uh, if a wizard is under the light of the bad moon, uh, they will, uh, if they're a gloom spike gets, they get to add one to the spell cast. If they are a enemy wizard, uh, it is negative one to cast. So it might be something you put on your opponent's side uh, as an attempt to debuff or make their wizard casting just a little bit harder. Exactly. Uh, the next rule we've got is uh, the the um, the lunatic inspiration. So if your uh, general has the gloom spike gets keyword and they're affected by the bad moon uh, in the hero phase, they get extra CP. So for us, that's pretty good. We're, we are we are quite CP heavy. Yep. And who doesn't want the free C command points? So that's just great. I, I think you always need to play around this. Like you always want to maximize this because we are really CP heavy. It's like two to three CPs per turn. So you really need this one to, to trigger every turn when possible, yeah? Yeah, I, I did mention that we are a glass cannon, so we hit really hard. We hit like a heavyweight boxer, but we can't take the punch. So the best thing we want to start doing is thinking about how we can maximize our command points 
and really punch the opponent out so they, they can't punch us back. And for me, you know, dropping three, four, five CPs in that one turn can be critical, whether it's to guarantee a charge, whether it's to re-roll those ones to hit, um, whether it's to activate the command ability of my general or, and you know, leaders in general. Um, so for me, that one is, is a really good one. Mm -hmm. Then we've finally got a couple of other ones, some that aren't going to really benefit us. So the Moon Clan uh, Fungus Brew isn't really going to affect us. You know, we're not taking a lot of Moon Clan grots. Yep. We've got the Spider Fang Venom. Uh, again, none of our squeaks are Spider Fang Venom. Again, if we take in some, some spiders, different story, but for us as squeaks, not that useful. Uh, Trogoth Renewal, not that useful, again, unless you're taking a Trogoth model. But then the last one, which is a very valuable one to us, is the Lunar Squeak. So all uh, if all of the models in a friendly Squeak unit are affected under the light of the Bad Moon, at the start of the charge phase, they can attempt to charge even if they ran. Yeah. This is what pushes the army from being mobile to being super fast. Zoom, zooms all over the battlefield. If you can play around this, uh, the, the, the most important thing of the rule is that it's after you moved, then you need to be affected by the light wholly within. So that's the most important part about it. This makes you go zoom zooms and that's exactly what you want. Yeah, cool. So, uh, and for us, obviously, the, the big benefit to this is that a lot of squigs have random movement. Um, I did mention that earlier with, you know, when I talked to my opponent about my mangler squig. Um, so getting that little bit of consistency by getting that additional dice can be really helpful. Um, and then to get you in that charge, especially to propel you into your opponent. And the cool thing as well is that a lot of the squig models like your hoppers and your boingrots fly so that that extra distance for the charge can actually then jump across screen. So, um, that can be very, very helpful, um, or at least to kind of deny your opponent with a whole bunch of board control. Okay. Adam, anything else you'd want to add to the generic rules that you get from um, from the book? Did the bad moon? I think this is it. That, that's the this the last one was the most important one for us for sure. I mean, the three mortal wounds is good, but if you can get your squeaks into the fight. I don't know, a one round earlier, that's the most important one for sure. One of the things that we were talking about offline team um, before we went live is, you know, one of my biggest pieces of advice, and I'm pretty sure I've shared with this on other Talking Git shows, is that the bad moon is a nice to have. I find that it's not something you can guarantee. It's something that you can plan for. Uh, it's not like the deep kin moves. It's not like, you know, Daughters of Cain. It's not like those other allegiances where you know, turn one, this is going to happen. Turn two, this is going to happen. Because of the randomness, I've had times where I've gone into turn two, I've rolled a dice, I've rolled a one. The moon doesn't move from the corner, which means turn two, there's no effect. There's been times where I've rolled a six and then all of a sudden it's sat in the center of the board. There's been times where, like, it's so unpredictable that you've got you, my advice would be not to plan around it, but take advantage if it happens. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's the whole theme of the whole army being random. So it just fits the theme nicely. Yeah. Um, I, I guess as a squeak player, it's not one of those things where I'm like, okay, turn one, I'm going to do this. And then I set it up for turn two. I'm going to do this, 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 and this, and this, because those random movement roles, those <laughs> random uh, bad moon roles are just going to stop that plan straight out. And um, 
you're, you're going to sit there going, uh, you, you're really playing it like in the moment. Like you, when you roll a dice, you're just like, right, what do I do next? What do I do next? Because you just can't plan for this stuff. Yep, exactly. Which can be frustrating because, you know, a, a game that you thought you were going to win, uh, you just fail horribly. But then there's times where just unwinnable games just turn your way because the role of the dice gods uh, are very favorable to you. The other thing we're going to get here, and I guess this one is going to kind of be a muted one, is that in the Allegiance book, um, in our Battle Tomes, we do get this terrain piece. Now, on its own, it's rather useless. Like, like in the Battle Tome, it's rather useless because it mostly benefits our, our, um, our stabbers and our shooters, our generic gits models. Yes, we do get a, uh, a, a Holy Within 12 Battleshock immunity, which is kind of cool, but for us the real benefit comes in da, 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 in the jaws of mork so um where do we start adam so so i guess that you still get the train piece but maybe i'll jump to the train piece first because right. we already talked okay. about it so with the terrain piece um so it says here you know add the scenery rules uh to the war scroll so basically what it allows you to do is that i could either take the gits version of the uh the terrain piece or i can take this version of the terrain piece and it allows me to if my general has a squid keyword after this terrain feature is set up i do get to switch out um i switch out the rules and basically at the end of the turn sorry at the at the end of each of your turns you can pick one friendly squig herd squig hopper or boingrot bounder unit that has been destroyed if so roll a dice on a four plus a new replacement unit with half of the models from that unit uh, that was destroyed rounding up uh, is added to your army it must be set up as a replacement unit wholly within 12 of the friendly bad bad moon loon shrine and more than three inches away from enemies uh, each destroyed unit can only be replaced once so they can't you can't destroy a unit and then it comes back and it keeps coming back 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 so thoughts on the loon shrine the squig shrine the squig shrine <laughs> i like that um so this rule the the swarms of the lair workers is what makes you win attrition wars like 90 percent of the time you're not death you can return whole units you only return half but it's still half more than most of the armies do uh, what's really great about it is that you can put the unit three inches away from enemy units. So setting up charges, um, you know, or for the squig hoppers to jump over the unit is super easy with this with this rule. Uh, the only bad thing, it's not 100%. It's just on a four plus, which can, again, it's random. It's 50-50, just, you know, toss a coin, uh, just as with everything in this army um it helps a lot like it's a really good rule it helped them a lot uh because they didn't have it before but i would also want to get back a little on the 12 inch battleshock bubble i think it's super important actually uh because this army or the squeaks generally or no the whole army the, the bravery is kind of really bad i mean you're talking fours or fives so having the Battleshock immunity against something like, I don't know, Garadron Overlord to just jump in the first round, shoot five off of each unit is just crucial. It's it's what makes the, and breaks the game, really. It's really yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah, I, I probably shouldn't have rushed the immunity to Battleshock. Uh, I guess I, I rushed it a little bit because it's kind of self-explanatory. Um, it is quite right. helpful. Um, 
it's helpful. I find it mostly helpful, uh, mostly when I get, I guess, uh, alpha strike. So turn one, someone rushes mm. into my face uh, or a carriage and overlords comes down, shoots me or some type of, you know, stormcast comes in and shoots me. Um, and I guess for me, the way I think about maybe is, is more screening as opposed to the Battleshock community, but it is a nice to have as well. Um, so good to know, especially maybe in the late game as well, you don't have to spend a command point to retain some of your models because it, you know, your your defenders of an objective are Battleshock immune. I have uh, my my sneaky stufflers are always hugging the shrine. They never leave, and I have so many games won just by the Battleshock immunity of the sneaky snufflers holding the home objective. It's not even like I don't know. I would say thirty percent of games get decided like that because it's just that good. No, that's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I use my snuffers a little bit different. We'll talk about them mm -hmm. uh, very soon, actually, when we get into lists. But uh, for me, what I really like about this is that majority of your army is returning. Squeak herd, squeak hoppers, boing grot bounders, right? So if I take a unit of 10 boing grot bounders, when they die, uh, I, on a 4+, plus, I'm going to get a unit of 5 back. That's pretty sweet. That's very, very cool. That's 100 points every time. Or if I lose a unit of squeak herd, so if I lose a unit of six, I bring back three. If I bring lose 18, I'm bringing back nine. Um, so I'm getting free units, and um, there is some really nice combinations that we'll talk about very soon, or I will at least talk about, because <laughs> what I do. But uh, it means that your squeak herd, your squeak hoppers, and your boing grot bounders are coming back on a four plus as a new unit at half strength. So you are regenerating more, and it basically means you're going to have waves, right? You know, you throw mm -hmm. throw your, your squeaks at your opponent at turn one, turn two. You don't have to worry about them dying too much because you will get a fresh unit back that you can keep going at your opponent, seizing objectives, claiming your backfield, uh, whatever battle plan or strategy you might have. What's great about it also is it's that it's at the end of your turn, meaning you get double turned or something. At the end of your turn, you return unit, then you will win the roll off, and you suddenly have a unit that wasn't there around ago that you can move with, do whatever with your opponent wasn't counting that it's going to be there. So yeah, it's really it's really good. I love it. So if your general is squig, if they uh, have the squig keyword, you can swap out your uh, battle tome uh, loon shrine to have this. But this is where, now where the rubber hits the road and you get a whole bunch of additional allegiance rules by being Jaws of Mork. Um, it does replace some of the existing rules and we'll talk a bit about how the battalions kind of come into play. Mm -hmm. But you get a couple of extra rules. The first one is uh, running riot. So you can run, uh, you, sorry, you can re-roll uh, the, the roll to determine the movement characteristic of friendly squig units. Right. Because uh, all of the squig units, a part of the squig herd, have run the movement, as you said already. The, the, the bounders have 2d6, the hoppers and the mugglers have uh, 3d6, the colossal have 4d6, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This you, is you are it's only the it's only the um the squig herd uh that doesn't have a random move mm -hmm. uh, you yeah. uh, but, you know like your your uh, loon boss on on um on giant squig has mm -hmm. a random move like there's a lot of random moves for me this is massive this this for me changed the game when it came to running squigs at a competitive level because it meant all of a sudden I can get consistency. I remember I played a game against Dan Brewer, a very, very, very talented Skaven player and just a generally competitive match play player. Um, 
And I remember setting up this perfect combination. He had, you know, 60 scry acolytes that were super buffed up or I was about to buff them up and I got the jump on him. I was setting up for this perfect combination. I was going to go to get his, um, uh, I was able to jump over his, screen, uh, his, his clan rat screens and I was going to jump into his uh, scry acolytes. He, I was, uh, he, I was going to get his vermin lord and I was going to get, I, I had this perfect combination. I rolled that movement. I rolled a four on my loon boss on Mangle Squeak, and that just shut everything off. Yeah. It meant that my 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 all of my models that I was setting up and you know re-rolling charges and doing all these things, it just stuffed me up. So for me, this rule, this single-handedly changed the game for Squeaks. Yeah, exactly. It adds the the needed consistency. At least one thing is kind of consistent in this army. What there's it's one thing to note it's a reroll so you can go back to the previous roll i had more than once happened to me that i rerolled four into a three on the on the mangler squeak so yeah that also happens it does Anything. happen but you know get, getting that reroll can be can be big and then in combination as well under the light of the bad moon and getting that run and charge um can be quite good so uh for me Running Riot is massive, but wait, there's more. <laughs> it's like some dodgy television ad. Uh, you do get ad additional command ability, so you get uh, getting some Loon Shrine down them. Okay, uh, you can use this command ability at the start of your fa at any phase. At any phase, mm -hmm. uh, if you do so, pick one friendly Jaws of Morph Mangler Squeak model until the end of that phase. Use the top row of that model's damage damage table, regardless of how many wounds it has suffered. That's also really big. The the I will start with the first part. Any phase. So the Mangler Squeaks, when they lose life, they also lose movement. It's not 3d6, it's 2d6, then it's just 1d6. So making them move when you need them to move is crucial. This also won me so many games that you can move, you know, much more reliably, even with the reroll and stuff. Uh, this also comes handy in combat, obviously, because they also lose attacks and uh, I think they draws, hit, worse or something. So this is also good for combat, obviously. Uh, one thing to note is that there is no ranges, no nothing. As long as you have a hero, you can use this and your Mangler Squeak will move or, or fight as you need it to. The, the funny thing as well with this, um, with the Mangler Squeak, for anyone who is not uh, familiar with the Mangler Squeak just yet, is that I, I describe it to my opponents like a roller coaster. So un, unlike a, uh, a regular behemoth, which starts really good and then it just degrades slowly and becomes rubbish at, the, at its last bracket, the, the Mangler Squeak is like a, a roller coaster where it goes good, dips to be shite, and then it becomes really good again. Like its its last brackets are as good as its first bracket. So I always hate when I'm sitting on, I think it's five to seven, yep, which exactly. is its worst profile, five to seven. I'm like, no, <laughs> that's usually when I'm in combat, my opponent's chips and wounds off my model. Um, and I'm like fighting and like, I'm just praying for that final move uh, to into the eight. Um, but being able to fight uh, at the top bracket is massive. It does some real damage it was it's one of the... and chain it's got some real damage potential mm. it was one of the biggest i don't know weaknesses of the mangler squeaks was that you get five wounds five on a four plus safe model that that's easy anyone can do it 20 clan rats can do that and the model loses i don't know 50 percent of its usefulness so 
this yeah. this is big for them. Yeah. I used I used to take the uh, you know RIP the Griff Feather Charm just to just to try to reduce some of that damage going mm. to it, um, but obviously no longer around. But <laughs> long story short, uh, you being able to fight and again this kind of talks about why when we said this is a very heavy command point army, being able to fight at your top bracket, being able to re-roll your charge rolls, being able to uh, re-roll ones to hit, being able to activate any of the other additional command abilities, you can see where that you really want to make the most of that punch to your opponent with squigs. Yep. And anything else with your with your um your your, your mangler rule? I think we covered the the, the... The basics really the movement yeah. and, the, and the, 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 the really the movement is a really big thing that's most people think about this only in combat but the movement is much more crucial than the two attacks on the balls and chains really yeah yeah um you, you can't you can't win a game without having good movement if you look mm -hmm. at the armies who, who who win games in age of sigma is people who either can teleport who can either choose where they move or they have fight high, really high movement to choose where they want to fight so um this for me is critical and you also want to you don't want to get bogged down into screens as well like the last thing you want to do is get bogged down into that unit of 30 phoenix guard you know 60 clan rats you know those those units that you're just sitting there like wasting your damage when really mm -hmm. you want to get to the back and get to that juicy center get to that monster get to that hero get to that that buff piece there are two other things you're going to get one is the command trait the other is the artifact the artifact for me is is probably the um probably the trade-off i'm not that impressed with the artifact maybe you have a different uh perception of it but before we talk about that you do get the command trait which is envoy of the overbounders uh you can re-roll failed battle shock test for friendly jaws of mork units wholly within 12 of this general yep that, that's also huge for this army as i said you are on a most of the army has four or five uh, bravery so this is really huge because you are going to be rolling battle shocks each and every round on most of your units usually so this is big yeah and all your units are multi-wound units as well so mm -hmm. your your squigs have two uh well you you know your, your hoppers your uh boing grots your squig herd have two i know the squig herd always catches my opponents out they're like that has two wounds um but that that yeah you've got really low bravery there are no banners there are no ways that um you can really buff that up other than your your general plus one for 10 models so anyway you can get like an inspiring presence or re-rolling a failed battle shock test can be helpful well, yep exactly what's also good or i use this like once or twice uh you can if you have like a unit uh, I don't know, five or something, one of them or two of them dies and you roll like one or two and just one would run away, you can use it to reroll the battle shock and hope for a five or a six to wipe out the unit so you can like bring it back with the loon shrine. If you don't have any other units to bring back, that is obviously. But yeah, I, I used it that way as well to make the unit go away. It's also a possibility. There's another way that I like to use it as well. It's a bit cheeky, but I, I like to use it. Uh, and that is that your squig herd can be like a little bomb because when they flee, every time a model flees on a four plus, they do a mortal wound to their opponent. So if you really want to try to maximize that flee uh, and you do fail your Battleshock test, if you want to try to get that number up to a five or a six or a higher um, and increase that mortal wound output, um, that could be a sneaky little way if you're running lots of squig herd. 
Absolutely, yeah. I, lo- I, I love that. The artifact, <laughs> the artifact is. I, I was a little disappointed with the artifact, but then I thought about it and I'm like, eh, everything else is pretty sweet, so I'll, I'll, I'll allow it. But the artifact <laughs> is the Screamer Squig. Um, at the start of the combat phase, you pick one enemy hero within three inches of the bearer. If you do so until your next hero phase, add one to the hit rolls for attacks made by melee weapons by the bearer that target this hero. It's okay. It's decent, but you don't really have a hero to put it on most of the time. That's the main problem of the artifact, I would say. Uh Cool thing about it is that at the start of the combat phase, it doesn't specify your combat phase. So you can get up to, I don't know, plus two to hit or even plus three to hit if you stack it on the hero you're yeah. fighting with. But it's about it. It's, it's, a, it's a down trade, as you said, but a decent one. Could be worse. I mean, it's all right. Yeah. It's all right. Um, but I, I guess I, you know, someone might be looking at that thinking, oh, but it's all right. Like it actually does some decent damage because you're creating like a plus one to hit bubble around that hero. I guess for me, I'm thinking about I want to maybe combine that uh, that mangler squeak, maybe the thing that's going to be in combat with something with maybe more damage output or maybe something a bit more synergistic than, uh, than that. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the other thing you are going to get is two new battalions. They do replace the battalions that are in your uh, in your battle tome. Uh, you will notice they have a very similar name. So you've got uh, instead of the squig, the squig rider stampede, and this and like this, there's, there's, they're very similar names, and they are exactly the same points. Um, and I think they're even the same combination. But what you get is really cool. So under the Moon Jumper Stampede, uh, two to three jaws of Mork, Mork units that either are Squig Hoppers, uh, uh, sorry, sorry, are either Squig Hoppers or Boingrots. So two to three Boingrots, two to three Hoppers, any combination, and zero to one Mangler Squigs. You get to add one to the damage characteristic of their Fang filled gob massive fang filled gob and huge fang filled gob geez make my life hard guys <laughs> um weapons used by the units in this battalion uh, if they make a charge move so again this talks about that hard hitting punch plus one damage do you like it i uh i'm still not sure what's the the biggest ad from the white dwarf if it's the rerollable move or this battalion i think it's just that good it's it's what it's just great. It's what makes Boingrods hit like a ton of bricks. It's what makes Hoppers actually be usable. Actually, you know, the, the cool looking models we had for two years on our shelf or a year or something on, a, on the shelves, we can use them now freely and they are actually good. Um, yeah, that's, yeah, look look for me, I, it's really nice. The damage is really good. Um, I do like it. It does just put that extra punch in from those Hoppers and those Boingrods. So, um, I think yeah. the movement for me is the, the biggest thing, but this is a, a, <laughs> a, a, I guarantee you in every of my Jaws of Mork list, the Stampede is definitely in there. This, this is a do not leave home without battalion. <laughs> yep, exactly. One thing that always when I see the, the battalion written like this, it specifies the, the Fangfield Gob, which is, the, I believe, the Swing Gobbers and the Boingrod Bounders, the massive Fangfield Gob, which is the Mangler Squeak. And then it specifies the huge fang-filled gobs, which is the loon boss on the giant cave squeak, which can't be part of the battalion. So I always think maybe they wanted to switch the battalions. Maybe you were supposed to be there, but it's sad. I always yeah. see, and, that I see the unfilled potential there. 
<laughs> I, I I also was hoping, praying to the gods that uh, the colossal squig would be included in here, but it's not. Uh, I, I, I do take the colossal squig. It is my absolute favorite. I've got two of them. Uh, I wish this included the squig. Uh, what's the name? The, the spinning one. The um, uh, oh, I've forgotten the name. The the. I know what I you mean. There's another squig unit in Forge World, which uh, is okay, but it doesn't have a lot of rend and it's not a great unit. But anyway, so the Moon Jumper Stampede, good. Don't leave home without it. Uh, I love it. The Moon Biter for me is 50-50, depending on how you want to build it. I have seen some really competitive lists um, with a double, um, a double stampede. Uh, and mm -hmm. I think there's some real legs on that. Thank you, chat. A squig gobber is the correct answer. The gobber is a shooting artillery squig. It is beautiful. It just doesn't have rent, uh, which kills me. Yep. Uh, the rest, and we talked about this being potentially a one drop, and this is kind of how you get to the one drop build, the Moonbiter Squigalanche, uh, and that includes one Jaws of Mork Loon Boss on Mangler Squig or... Uh, on cave squig, giant cave squig, you can have zero to three jaws of mork loon bosses on giant cave squigs, one plus moon jumper stampede, uh, which is the battalion we just spoke about, one to three jaws of mork mangler squigs, and zero to two jaws of mork squig herd units. Oh, and, and, and for that, for, for that, I almost <laughs> forgot the rules. Uh, for that, after the armies have been set up, but before the first battle round commences, uh, roll, uh, sorry, up to D3 units from this battalion can move up to six inches. If both players can move, uh, you roll off to see who moves first. So basically, you get a free move. Yep. That's always good. I mean, this is all destruction ability that most of the destructions armies used to have. Uh, it's a nice bonus. I don't like the being a D3 units. So again, it's flipping a coin. You can't really play around it, but it's good in a sense that when you see that opponent made a mistake, you can, you know, capitalize on it, move forward, set up yourself for easy charge the first round. If you are facing uh, Alpha Strike Army, you can move backwards, you know, you can block off a, a teleport somewhere you baited your opponent into setting. Uh, this is multiple uses, really. And it also, you can fill most of the squeak units under this battalion, meaning the army is going to have very, very low drops, up to one drop even, which is the main, really, use. Why would you like to take this battalion? Not the ability, I would say. Uh, there's a, yeah, there's a couple of things that I like from this battalion. You're right, 100%. This will get your drops to either one or two. Or three, like depending on how you kit them mm -hmm. out, right? But but this will capture almost everything, so you can really play that one drop game if you want to do it. I wouldn't suggest it. I would not go one drop. I think, as you've said, Adam, the fungoid cave shaman, for example, some type of wizard would at least be in this list. So kind of, I I would be playing around the two to three drops. Um, the other things that I think about here is um, I like to include the squig herd units. And that allows me to push my screen out. If there's going to be an alpha strike, whether it's mm. KO, whether it's a summoning army, whether it's a, fa a fast movement army, a deep kin, it's a deep, deep kin eel list. Um, it allows me to push one, two um, of those squeak herd units forward so that they can kind of accept the, the charge or they can accept the um, push back the deep strike. So for me, the squeak herd, and because they're really cheap, they're a great screen. 
or if I am going to be going first and I want to kind of uh, punch my opponent in the face, uh, metaphorically, not physically, please, <laughs> no violence to your opponents. Um, it does allow me to get potentially an additional six inches for that loon boss, that um, those Boingrots. So uh, especially Boingrots, Boingrots who move only 2d6 really can use the extra movement and guaranteed six inches. Yep, that's the only good thing about it, being guaranteed six inches. You don't have to roll d6 because there will be way too many dice rolling. But yeah. uh, I would say 99% of the time I use it on Boingrots as well, okay. being it moving them forward or backwards. If it's yeah. one unit, it's going to be Boingrots most of the time for me. Yeah. For me, it's either the Boingrots because I want that extra six. It's the Mangler so I can uh, guarantee that it hits combat, being, again, even 3d6 um isn't consistent and you and, and in turn one you're not going to get the light of the bad moon so if you're going to go mm. for a turn one attack um you need every advantage and the, the the bad moon's not there or it's the defensive build which is pushing my squeak herds forward to deny the board to claim an objective early to um contest a side of the board so people can't kind of jump into my face there's multiple uses yeah i mean it's a great tool but yeah. yeah it's something to consider like i mentioned i have seen a lot of people i've seen a few people using double stampede the list that we just went through but this will really get you down uh into the depths but cool so the, so we've got two new battalions they're quite cool uh they are the same price as the squeak battalions in our book i think it's like 90 and 140 points respectively yeah. but you always get it you get an extra command point. You, oh, here it is. You get an extra command point. You do get an extra artifact, uh, and it, you do reduce your drops. Yep. No, I agree. Uh, the re reducing of the drops, drops for this, as you said, it's glass cannon army. You most of the time need to begin, or at least be able to choose. That's the most critical thing there for me, at least. Let's talk your list. So that's the rules in general, folks. And uh, maybe for the first time ever, we're actually going to talk about one of my lists. We we rarely <laughs> talk about my lists. Uh, but before we do that, Adam is going to talk through one of his lists. So how does Adam put this theory into practice? With all these rules, how do you build out the rules and how do you think about your rules and why have you chosen what you've chosen? So to kick things off, from a leader's point of view, you've got a fungoid cave shaman with the uh, artifact of plate of perfect protection. You are from the realm of Shimon. <laughs> and you've got the lore of, uh, you've got the squig lure. Yeah. You've got your loon boss on a giant cave squig with the moon cutter and you've got your squig screamer. So that's the screamer squig, sorry, which is your, um, uh, your jaws of mork forced artifact. And then you've got your general, which is the loon boss on Mangler Squig with the envoy of the overbounder and the clammy cow. So I, I will say, though, that the command trait, uh, I just remembered, it does make me cry a little bit that I can't use fight another day. Oh, yeah. That's probably the biggest sacrifice by doing this is I can't do fight another day. I was when I saw the that there is a command trait you need to use, I was kind of sad because the fight another day is just great. But when I played the army multiple times, I wasn't missing it as hard as I was expecting to. And I will get to why in a bit. All right. But, so talk me. Talk. Uh, uh, let's go through the rest of the list and then let's okay. break it down. So you've got 10 hoppers, 10 hoppers, 10 hoppers, 10 boingrots, six sneaky snufflers, uh, mangler squig, mangler squig. 
and then we've got the Moonbiter uh, Battalion and we've got the J Moon Jumper Stampede Battalion. So that comes in at 2,000 points on the nose. Uh, how many drops is this? This is four. Four. Four, because you've got, your, you've got the, the battalions, you've got the you've got battalion, you've got the... Uh, the Shaman? Got? Oh, you've got the Fungoid Cave Shaman. You do have the... Um, Snufflers? The, the Snufflers, that's three. And one of the units of the hoppers is not in the battalion because you can only fit in three. Ah, uh, that's so right. You get two to three. And, yep. Two to three. Yeah. Cool. So you're, this is a four drop list. Mm -hmm. Talk me through your leader choices. Talk me through um, first off the the loon boss on Mangler Squig, and then talk me through your, your supporting heroes. Okay. The the loon boss on the Mangler Squig. This is just the the big uh, magnifier you have there with his command ability, that being that within 18 inches of him, you add one to wound rolls in the combat phase. Uh, so you have them, him there, basically. I don't know if it's him or them, because, you know, two squeaks, one boss. Uh, but um, you move him in the middle of the board, basically, and use the command ability every time you, you, you can, because it buffs the whole army, because everything a part of the Fangoy chairman and the snufflers is the squeaks, so everything gets plus one to wound, which is huge. Uh, for the command trait, it's the envoy of the uh, overbounder, which is the reroll of the battle shocks. It's it's good on this unit because it's fast. It's going to be up in there, so around most of the unit, it's going to be in the middle of the field, so you can get most uh, out of the the trait. The clemical is is another layer of protection that uh, gives minus one to hit for everything for shooting and in the combat phase so that that to me is massive the the subtracting one to hit for attacks that target the bearer which is both combat and um and for uh, shooting uh again we talked about the survivability and you want to keep your mangler squeak on as uh, as minimal damage taken as possible that minus one to hit um can be very helpful and he's got a a four plus armor save as well so um, it's quite generous. <laughs> and it's most important to keep this piece alive because of the command ability it gives to the whole army. So that's why he's the one bearing it, I guess. Uh, yeah, also he's great in combat, obviously. All the Mangler Squeaks are great when they charge with the and use the command ability with the, the balls and chains. They hit on twos, bolt on twos. Rent minus two D three damage, seven attacks. Just they do a lot. D six uh, hits on the on the um, on the gobs as well. They can. They're kind of swingy because they don't have that much attacks apart from the balls and chains that usually you know get five or six through. But on the on the jaws, it's threes and twos on, on charge with the command ability. It's not that great, but it's just four attacks, so it can get swingy. And it's d6 damage, so gonna do three damage, and you're gonna do 18 damage as well. So, and when you charge with the mangler squeak, you also get plus one to hit rolls for that ball of chains, right? So, right. Um, so really, you know, bringing that down to hitting on twos and then uh, wounding on twos because you add plus one to the wound roll for um, for friendly squeaks within 18. For me, that that command ability is just money. Um, and I'll talk about I'll, I'll talk in my list how I use mm -hmm. the. Uh, bite to moon but you know it, it is swingy it does a lot of high damage uh it is d6 damage for the gob uh d d3 damage for the ball and chains so obviously we get the plus one um for the battalion so you really when you're using it you want you know 
whatever you attack, you want to delete it or you want to reduce it as much as possible. Mm -hmm. So um, this is where you're like, I drop two, three command points on this one model alone, whether it's re-rolling ones to hit, whether it is going to be using uh, Bite the Moon. Um, you really want to, like for me, my army centers around the Loon Boss on Mangle Squeak. Yep, exactly. Um, and there's a positioning for the 18, the, the friendly squigs uh, who get plus one to wound. Um, they have to be wholly within 18 of this model. So really positioning where you want to project your center of power and then making sure that your other supporting squeak units are within that 18 bubble. Yeah, exactly. That's why I like to keep him in the middle. So he basically, you know, gets most of the field that way. Um, cool. Yep. By, by the way, uh, two squigs, one loon boss sounds like a really bad adult movie. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I heard it when I said it, yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to call it out because it was beautiful. It's beautiful. I better not Google that. <laughs> <laughs> right. Then we move on to the loon boss and the giant cave squeak. Uh, again, his main use or why he's there is because of his command ability again, which says at plus three to move to friendly squeak units within 12 inches, I believe, wholly within 12 inches, which adds some extra movement. Uh, it's great, it's three inches, so you know you're going to move at least six inches if you roll 3d6 for move. Uh, it's within 12, yeah, wholly within 12. Um, he's pretty decent in fighting because the the squeak does the, has minus one rent and d3 damage, so he can you know pick up the small uh, heroes. Uh, the artifact I put it because I don't have anywhere to put it, really, because he. Uh, you don't. You, you don't want that that screamer squeak on your mangler, as you as you've shown that the the value of clammy cow is far greater on the mangler, so you're gonna put it somewhere. Exactly. Yeah, and he he gets in. As I said, I mostly use him as a as a snipe unit, the small heroes, and it comes in handy in that way that you can you know use it on them and get the extra plus one to hit makes it more consistent exactly the the main problem with him is he only moves 2d6 just as the boundaries and sometimes the army outruns him so it's sometimes it's hard to keep up with the army so you can give the the movement speed but i would say the most crucial one is the first round anyway where he you can set up in the deploy and then with the battalion even um get the plus three on as much as many units as possible and that's that's usually his main job use it once and then survive yeah i i find the cave that the loon boss on giant cave squig really sits behind the lines they're, they're they act almost like a wizard as opposed to being a frontline general like the the mangler squig um you're probably unlikely to get them in combat where i find the the cave squeak is really good is defending maybe home objectives running around and supporting say your 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 boingrock bounders not your boingrock bounders your hoppers um because your hoppers aren't as offensive as your boingrock so i find it's more of a backfield kind of model but you're right getting the most out of that that first turn like first two turns before they overrun him because the 2d6 uh, it's one bad dice roll away from being outside of your, your, you know, your holy within twelve, or being outside of your, um, your, your uh, inspiring presence or any of the command abilities. Yeah, and another good use for him is that you have three heroes only, right? But the fungoid shaman stays in back the whole 
time. And when your Mangler's Quick dies, there's no one to pay the Battleshock immunity for your units. So there is another use that I usually get out of him, you know. His combat's all right, but again, it's not also not very high damage too. So, um, so you know, nice little supporting hero, but the Fungoid Cave Shaman is... I'm almost... <sighs> I'm almost at. I would not. I would not leave home without him. Um, if I only had one wizard choice, he's like ninety nine percent. There's only one build where I'm like, I'm. I'm tempted not to go fungoid cave shaman. But talk to me about why he is in the list. Right. The first is his ability that at the beginning of your hero phase on the four plus he generates another command point. As we already stressed out many times, you are very, very CP hungry, and every extra command point is the difference between death and victory, really. So this is just huge. This also means if you start with both battalions and you get one for the first round and you generate one by the Fungoid Chairman, you have four in the first round, which is really good. And But the main thing why he's there is the Squig Lure. That's just... It's auto-include even just for the spell. At least one wizard has to be there for the squiggler. What it does, I believe it's cast on a six, and you pick D3 friendly squig units within 18 inches of him, and those units, or the five, actually, yeah. It's right. cast on a five, yeah. I was going to let you... Uh, <laughs> so you cast it on a five. If, uh, if successfully cast, pick D3 friendly squig units wholly within 18 of the caster and visible to them. Uh, those units can run and still charge later in the turn. Right. As we said, the, the moon is not really reliable in any way. You can roll one, you can roll six, it moves whatever, wherever it wants. And here you get the um, some reliability. Again, you have to cast it, but it's just on the five. It's D3 again, so I, it, you know, it's a huge difference if you can put it just on a one unit or on a three units. Most of the time you are going to put this on the boundaries, as we said, they are slower than the rest of the army, they just 2d6 movement. But this is, uh, if you add this with the plus three movement from the giant cave squeak boss, the and you add in the charge, possible 12 in charge, let's say, your, let's say, mangler squeaks can threaten up to 39 inches. It's a 4d6 move plus 3 for the uh, 3d6 move, d6 for run, and a plus 3 from the giant cave switch. So it's up to 27 inches and then a, then a charge. So this puts your opponent to a very weird spot when they have to, because they cannot, I mean, if you are playing against, I don't know, Iron Jaws, you know, the Gruntas move 9. And then over the mighty destroyers, they're going to move another nine. So it's 18 inches here. I don't know. You don't know. No one knows. The dice doesn't know. It's going to be somewhere, you know, and they have to choose the, the safe spot for them. They go by, you know, average usually from my experience. So it's like, I don't know, 17, 18 inches. And it's just one good roll away from you having a charger on a three or something. So... It's really your strength and a weakness at the same time. The the thing about the um the the squig lure for me is that that ability comes obviously with the bad moon, but that doesn't come until at least turn two, um, at least turn two, and sometimes it doesn't happen at all. Um, there's been plenty of games where I've rolled my bad moon 
and I've rolled consecutive ones until turn five. It's just, it's just unfortunately how sometimes a cookie crumbles. Um, however, however, the other cool benefits that the Fungood Cave Shaman brings is it's got a four plus after save. So um, while it's a squishy hero with four wounds, you do get some some really good versatility. It is going to kind of um, hang around a little bit, uh, just to avoid the um, the corn. Um, what's it called? Hex gorgeous mm -hmm. skulls that has popped so many of my fungoid <laughs> cave shamans. Um, and it also has got a, uh, a very cool once per game. Uh, it can be a double caster as well. Correct. So it is going to generate you command points on a four plus. It is, has a double cast once per game. So if you did have, um, let's say squig lure and you wanted to cast an endless spell, for example, you could do that once per game. Um, it is a nice little support piece. I'm not a big fan of its spell, um, the Spore Mauls. It's, it's, for me, it's, I'm not a big fan mm. of it, uh, but it's nice if you do get stuck in a combat. If he happens to be in combat, it could be something that um, could help it. The, the problem is that usually, apart from a Mystic Shield, it doesn't really do much for you because your whole army has, a, you know, not really good saves. You don't really have a second spell to cast most of the time. That's I don't I barely use the once per game ability, and I also I I, I use it for endless spells. Um, right, if you uh, have, and I think, uh, yeah. And also, I have the the plate of the perfect protection on him, which is the artifact from Shaman, uh, which gives uh makes the bearer ignore rents of one or something. Ah, uh, yeah, it ignore, ignores rent one. Um, yeah. I've I've got that in my gargans. I love that artifact. Yeah, the, it, there's not really uh so the one thing to note fungoid chairman cannot have any artifact from the book itself because he doesn't have the keywords so the only artifact you can give to him is from the realms and there's like real ones to hit real ones to save so he have a six up save so doesn't really make much so this is like the only viable thing there that gives at least some survivability to him it could be a deterrent, right? Because yeah. um, if you're ignoring Rend One, assuming the Fungoid Cave Shaman is near a unit, it could be minus one to hit from Lookout. So um, it could be enough for someone to not target it in target priority and go for something else that's a bit more guaranteed. Um, is it going to change the world? No, but it could be the difference between it staying alive and not staying alive or not being targeted. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah, that's that, yeah, that's basically the. The leader's choice. We move to the units. I will start. Yeah, yeah. So you've got you see so you got your ten. So just to remind the podcast friends, you got ten uh, squeak hoppers, ten squeak hoppers, ten squeak hoppers, ten boing grot bounders. As we've already identified, one of those squeak hopper units is not in the battalion. Uh, six sneaky snufflers, two mangler squeaks. Not loon boss. Straight yeah. up mangler squeaks. So I believe you. I'm not sure if you need to have one in the battalion. Uh, yeah, you need what's that in the squeaker line? You at least need to have one mangler squeak. Yes, uh, so at least you are going to be playing one. You don't need to have the loon boss on the on the on the mangler squeak because the giant cave squeak, a loon boss can take his place in the battalion. But you're gonna have at least one there anyway. Um, I love the models; they are so beautiful. There's so much details on them. As we already established with the Lumbos, they hit like a truck if they have the opportunity. Uh, when I 
look back in time. Before we had the rules, before we had the, the commandability, their main problem was that they are kind of glass cannon as the whole army. It's 12 wounds on a 4 plus save, so it's not that hard to kill them. But it's not about killing them, it's about doing them 5 to 7 damage, keeping them in the lowest bracket and making them useless. Now with the command ability and enough command points, that's not the problem. And I also have a, another way how to protect them, that, or that's how I play it. And uh, that's also why I don't miss the fight another day as much, because there was another way how to protect your mangler squeaks, right? Uh, and it's the squig helpers. Back in the day, without the battalion, they hit like a wet noodle. They don't really do anything. They uh, they have cool ability. When they move over unit on a four plus, they do a mortal wound, and they move fast. So it's you can they move three six. Yeah. Uh, so they moved as fast as the mangler squeak, and that's the main point. That's the only unit in the whole army that can keep up with the mangler squeaks. And they are, as you said, all of them are two wounds units. They have only six plus save, so, but it's 20 wounds in the unit. So what I do, I charge with the hoppers, I, you know, try to pull in as much of the unit as possible, make them lock in the combat, and then charge with the Bangladesh squeak from a side. So it's protected, not as many units or models can pile to it. And they take the beating for the Bangladesh squeak, keeping it healthy, you know, and that's the biggest use they have, really. And also, since they are in the battalion, or at least the two units, they can now actually kill the screen. Because with the two damage, you know, they can kill, I don't know, 10 something or 20 something and make the room for the Mangler Squeak to pile in and punch behind because you have a you know three-inch pile in, then two inch with the balls and chain. So it's five inch reach basically, if you do it right. So you can hit, you know backline heroes, backline units, they are screening very, very easily. So that's why I opted to play three tens of hoppers. Um, even though the one unit is not in the battalion, it can still take the beating for the mangler squeaks. It still has its use. Uh, it's not as good as killing screen, obviously, because the, the riders, they have one attack, hit on fives and bolt on fours, no rent damage one. So, the the riders aren't yeah. doing much no. damage. The damage is coming from the squeak, yeah. the the gobs from the squeak. But even then, like it's to hit roll. It it, it hits on a four wounds on a three rend one for one. Obviously, that boosts up to a two through the battalion. Um, and oh, you do get plus. Yeah, and you use the command ability from the mangler squeak, so you want on twos. Yeah, yeah. It's it's that four plus to hit yeah. is um is is yeah, like fifty fifty, right? Like. It is what it is, I guess. Uh, I mean, they have two attacks each, so at least one from each model is going to go through in, basically, math-wise. So, you know, they can do 10, 15 damage, which is enough just to kill the chair from the screen. It's interesting here you talking about squeak hoppers offensively because I don't think about them offensively. I always think about them as defensively or objective mm -hmm. stealers. I take them in small units. I run them around. I try to go for objectives. I don't hear about them very offensively. Everyone talks about Boingrots yeah. as the offensive version of it. So it's inter interesting to hear how you use it in combination with your um, with your your Mangler Squick. So then, how does the Boingrot Bounders come into play in combination with your Squig Hoppers and the Mangler? I would love to fill in more Bounders. 
because they are just so great right now. Uh, so the, the, the Boeing Red Bounders and the Sneaky Snufflers, that's, that's a package basically, you know, that's a package deal you need to have. The Sneaky Snufflers push them all over the moon. Like that's what makes them crazy. So what the Sneaky Snufflers does is that at the beginning of your movement speed, uh, movement, movement round, movement, uh, what's it called? Movement phase. At the, at, the, at the start of the movement phase, you can say this unit is harvesting the loon cap mushrooms. If you do so, it can't move in that movement phase, but you can roll a dice. If the roll is equal, sorry, sorry, if the roll is less than or equal to the number of models in that unit, pick one friendly moon clan unit wholly within 12 of this unit. So, wholly within 12 of the snufflers. And you get to add plus one attack characteristic to the melee weapons used by that unit until the next movement phase. Yeah. So like uh, first round every time you're going to uh, set up, you know, your snufflers and before uh, in front of them, the, the bounders and just give it to them automatically the first time for sure. Um, so now they have three attacks on the riders and on the mounts and hits on fours, mounts on twos, minus one rand and a one damage for the rider and two damage for the, for the squeak. It it's mental. I mean, uh, plus two on a wound um, with the uh, command ability from the Mangler Squeak. Obviously, what's so great about them uh, is the, the the base size. It's thirty two millimeters, so it's the small, the classic uh, you know unit uh, base. And uh, I would say screening against them is a nightmare. It's almost impossible. I mean. You would think screening against eels is hard. That's nothing compared to screening screening against boundaries. They can jump over the as I didn't say the whole unit, the whole army flies. So they can jump over the screen. They can fill every little hole you leave there. And they also have this ability that on a charge you roll that many uh, models, the many dice for as the, as there are as much models in the unit, and each four plus thus mortal wound so you can even charge screen unit give it i don't know five six mortal wounds this creates your space you pile in and punch the the second line again and it's worth calling out here with the boeing smash uh rule that we're talking about um you all all that needs to happen is one boeing grot bounder needs to connect and be within an inch of the unit so it's not every model within one inch it's just a as long as you connect within an inch uh at the at, after the charge on the four plus you generate a mortal wound so yeah that that unit of 10 for example if it was fully 10 you know it has an average output of five mortal wounds on the charge and then it goes through combination getting the plus one damage from the bite uh plus the other obviously generic damage that it does uh, and you do get plus one to wound when you charge so really you start noticing that between the mangler between the boing grots between just generally the army is rewarding you for being the person who charges yeah, so you don't yeah. want to be charged you want to be doing all the charges so any way that you can synergize and charge um that's that's really the build and that's the play style that you're considering yeah definitely you need to charge i mean if you get charged you lost basically you lose the one damage you don't get the plus one to hit on the manglers on the balls and chain it goes all bad really quick if you get charged and then you've got your two manglers. So these are two. And by the way, the battalion, I just reread re it. So it's zero to one. So mm -hmm. uh, you don't have to take a mangler in the um, in the stampede. Uh, but 
uh, it is an optional way right. to, to get that damage output under the battalion. You need... So talk to me about the... Sorry. Sorry, sorry uh, you need one in the squiggle launch. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 in the squiggle launch, yes, you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in the stampede, yeah, it's zero yeah, to one. Exactly. And it's the D6 damage one, so it's D6 plus one, so you can do even seven wounds, which is really good sometimes. So you've taken two manglers. You've taken two of these uh, non-hero versions mm -hmm. of the uh, mangler squeak. Yep. So it's three mangler squeaks in the little, basically, yeah. So you're projecting your power through three mangler squigs in support with Boingrots and Hoppers that are screening, that are taking around the board, that are uh, chipping away, doing damage, uh, and probably overwhelming your opponent with uh, with priority. You're probably yep. uh, you're probably having for every one of those uh, one of their guys in combat, you've probably got two units mm -hmm. in combat. Absolutely, you, you pick the fights. You need to pick the fights. You need you are the one who's charging. So you know. You, Usually, most of the time, you really just charge with everything the first round or the second round with this list. So, yeah. And also, the the great thing, because everyone sees a big model, they see Mangler Squeaks, and they think, oh, they are the biggest bats of the list, so we need to kill the Mangler Squeaks. But in reality, it's the, the Boingler Bounders with the Sneaky Snufflers. They hit the hardest of the whole list. And uh, the Mugglers there are just like a diversion, and it works 99% of the time, really. What's really cool as well is the watch out rule, which is uh, if this model is slain, so when the Mangler Squeak dies, before the model is removed from play, uh, each uh, roll a dice for each unit within six inches of this model on a four plus, it takes D3 model wounds. Mm -hmm. So it does a whole bunch of things as well uh, when they go out. So basically you punch your opponent as hard as possible. You probably will take some damage uh, because it does have a four plus armor save. It has 12 wounds, so it's all right. Um, actually, it's pretty good when you think about it. And then when it goes out, uh, it's going to do some damage as well. So, um, so you know, even if you can get close to, let's say, a uh, an opponent a hero or some type of small support unit, that D3 could either slay it outright or it could actually just chip it down mm -hmm. significantly. Absolutely. And as I said, the, how the way I use my Sneaky Snufflers, uh, they are by the Loom Shrine all the time. Because when uh, you rule for the rule you return the unit, they have something to buff each round. The 99% of the games, they don't really move from the Loom Shrine. Just give out the shrooms, give out the shrooms. Yeah. I think in combination with the Loon, the loon boss on Mangler Squig, when you start looking at this damage profile, you're getting plus one to, to hit with the balls and chains on the charge. That you know That's up to seven attacks, hitting on twos. And then in combination with the battalion, uh, so the, the command ability from the boss, bringing that, that wound roll down to two, Ren two for D3 damage, uh, and then doing your, your gob attacks, four attacks, Rend one, uh, you know, hitting on threes, wounding on twos, D6 plus one damage because of the mm -hmm. battalion. Um, this becomes really nasty. And um, the, the damage output is significant. But it goes back to what I said right at the start, is that if you don't have the movement, this plan will crumble and you will be, uh, I was going to use an Australian slang, <laughs> but it's probably not PG, and, it's not PG <laughs> enough for me to say it here. Uh, you will be sitting out in the middle of the, the table and you won't take advantage of it and your opponent's just going to smash you. They'll, they'll mortal wound you with spells, they'll hit you with shooting, they'll charge you and you'll lose half of your damage output because you weren't the one who charged. Mm, exactly. I mean, I had the... On the turns, I charged. I, 
I had games when I deleted, I don't know, over a thousand points of enemy's army, even fifteen hundred points, just the, the only charge. It, it can happen. I mean, if you roll hard or I, something, you can delete. Well, I remember um, at Adepticon last year. Uh, this is just as Corn's uh, battle tome changed, so take this with a grain of salt. But my Mangler Squig, my Loon Boss and Mangler Squig alone killed six Skull Crushers <laughs> by itself in one turn. Um, it can be absolutely brutal, but then there's been plenty of times where it's just whiffed and done nothing. Um, and as I mentioned, man, going to Night Haunt, all that all the damage comes off the back of Rend. So if you're ignoring Rend, mm -hmm. uh, I played Sylvaneth, funnily enough, I played Sylvaneth the other week, uh, and I had a whole bunch of Kurnoth Hunters who obviously uh, in Dreadwood chucked down their, their mm -hmm. roots and they got to reroll their saves. Um, my bites did nothing. They just absolutely did nothing. It happens, so, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and so and so i chose to play this army really aggressive really fast pick my fights go ham uh that's the reason why i don't have any squig hurt here because it doesn't really fit the play style with their move of five they just can't keep up with the army even though i if i would drop the 10 hoppers and get some squig there i would have less drops but they would just be useless there sitting in the back doing nothing really yep fair enough Anything else you'd add to this? So this is obviously uh, a 2,000 points on the nose, 136 wounds. You've got no endless spells. You are a four drop, um, which is pretty good. Like if you can't be one drop, if you're not trying to be a one drop, um, four drop, three to four drop is pretty safe exactly. to, to say that you will dictate the terms of battle. Um, and out of curiosity, would you, obviously each game, each scenario is going to be different, but on average, are you more likely to give away first turn or would you take first turn uh, if if you had the option to choose? It really depends on the scenario, I would say, because... On average, on a, give me, give me okay. an average. If, if it's like. an 18-inch deploy, I'm going to take it 90% of the time. If it's a 24-inch deploy, I'm usually going to let the enemy start. Then I would say it's the rule of a thumb yeah i think most cases i'm giving it away just because their spellcasters their shooters are mostly out out of range so that you know they waste a turn um right. there'll be some things where i you're right like if it is a shorter deployment zone mm -hmm. and i think i can get into combat or i can get into the juicier combat yeah exactly uh and maybe hit them like i played a i played um a, a ko not ko uh an obr list the other week and uh, I wanted to hit them before they put up their buffs, mm -hmm. right? You know, putting up, you know, the, their shields, you know, doing all that, that stuff. So I, I took first turn to kind of hit them in the face as quick as possible before those buffs go up. Yep. Or even if you see like a, a little hole in the deploy, you see a little mistake there, you use the squiggle launch, move six inches, and you go home. Like, uh, so good army at punishing people's mistakes, I would say. Yeah, if, yeah, and if the, the Mangler Squeak's base is the, Ma the Mangler Squeak base is only what sixty mil, so it's quite or eighty mil. Like it's, it's not a huge base. It's not you're, you're not talking like some crazy uh, 130, 160 mil base. So it, it, it can jump over screens because it flies as well. Yeah. So it's quite generous, and it will punish your opponent. Agreed. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, that's your list, Adam. I'm going to reveal one of my first lists on the channel. Uh, <laughs> it's three years and I rarely talk about my armies. Uh, I should probably talk more about my armies. So um, a lot of what Adam's already spoken about, there is a lot of synergy given that, uh, you know, squigs in general um, have 
have there's a limited amount of squeak units, right? Um, so, so there's going to be a lot of things we've covered. We've kind of already covered um, the same ground. So, if we look at my army, I have I have come from the realm of Shaiish. Um, however, uh, oh, I, I actually know that's a mistake because uh, oh, I, I made this list before War Scroll Builder was updated. Yeah. That's right. Ignore this because oh. there should be an uh, extra artifact, mm -hmm. and that would obviously be on the cave. Uh, squig. So what have you got here? We've got the Loon Boss or Mangler Squig is the general. It does have the Clammy Cow, Surprise of the Century, so that's the <laughs> minus one to hit. Uh, you will have the Fungoid Cave Shaman where I've taken the Grave Sand Brooch, so that's re-roll once to save. Again, it's much of a much. You're right 100%, Adam, that there's not a lot of artifact choices for the, the Fungoid. It is almost worth switching out the fungoid cave shaman for a mad cup shaman um just because you can get uh moon face moment but the additional command points is just too good for me and the cave shaman the other the other hero that i've got is the loon boss on the giant cave squig it has the uh the jaws of mork artifact again i built this list before um before wall scroll builder don't at me uh so we have we have a very similar build here add or take uh the realm artifact but the difference between our heroes is that i've gone the hand of gork now the hand of gork is one of my favorite spells and i could not leave home without it the reason for it is it essentially is a teleport so this whole idea i, I guess the way i think about my squeak build is it's more like a wave so basically what my fungoid cave shaman will do behind the line is it will sit close to the um the loon shrine the 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 hand of gork is a cast value of i'm just going to quickly bring it up it's a cast value of six if i if i remember correctly uh i'm not sure where's my battle tome so can't check that's all right i've got it yeah uh casting value of seven so the hand of gork is casting value of seven if successfully cast pick up one friendly gloom spike kit unit wholly within 12 of the cut to 24 of the caster so it's a very generous uh generous uh number it's visible to it and it's more than three inches away from an enemy you pick up that model uh or that unit and remove it from the battlefield and set it up anywhere as long as it's outside of nine inches from the enemy unit it cannot move in that subsequent movement phase so uh the way i'm thinking about this is it can either a i can pick up my uh i'll, I'll bring it up in a second but what you've got here as well is I've got five squeak hoppers, 10 boy grot bounders, 10 boy grot bounders, uh, 18 squeak herd, 18 squeak herd, six seeky slufflers, and dun, 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 a colossal squig. Uh, so I love my colossal squig, and I'll talk a bit about why in a minute. Uh, it also comes in with a squig rider stampede and a squeaker launch. So both the Jaws of Mork version, uh, again, reinforcing this was built before War Scroll Builder was updated. Uh, so the, really the idea between why I've got the Hand of Gork instead of Squiglua is that for me with Hand of Gork, I throw my Boingrop Bounders or my Squig Hoppers up into the enemy or maybe even a Squig Herd into the enemy. What I'm then thinking about doing is should they be damaged and they come back half strength on a 4+, plus, I can then use my Fungoid Cave Shaman to pick up that regenerated unit from the Loon Shrine and throw it at my opponent. So this for me, for squigs, when I think about squigs, they are very much about the early game. They are about scoring objectives early. They're about doing damage early. And as the game progresses, they get worse and worse and worse. 
So while my army is being reduced, while my army is losing its movement, the Fungoid Cave Shaman becomes a late game threat to be able to pick up any unit and score an objective, whether the opponents walked off it, whether I've been able to do enough damage, whether I've just, I need to pick something up and reposition or re-secure uh, on the tabletop. So that's why I've gone Hand of Gork instead of uh, Squeak Lure. Adam, any thoughts? I, I might bring you into the conversation. <laughs> I just know talking about right. um, I've never been on this side. I've never been on this side talking about my own list. No, I, what, do you, what are your thoughts? What I just what I just said about hand. No, of it gold? makes sense. I mean, it's a, it's a good spell. I just don't feel that in, on uh, units that can move up to thirty inches, you really need a teleport. For me, it's about getting to those backfield objectives um, with a reduced unit, right. right? So if my if I have a unit of um, Let's say those those five squeak hoppers. That goes to a unit of three. The the base size is very very small, mm. so I can I can squeeze into the back and steal That's an objective okay. a lot easier um, with such a small footprint. But it's enough to steal an objective or deny an objective or at least challenge an objective. Right, and it's great with the squeak herd because as I said, it's kind of slow, and you can pick it up, move it there in his face, let them run away, do the mortal wounds and everything. It's uh, also a good combo. By the way, um, if, if this is the first time you've seen a talking series, this is just us putting this all into theory, the theory into practice. By no means are we saying that this is the single only way to play Jaws of Mork. Uh, you know, this is the silver bullet. This is going to win you the next great tournament. This is about putting the theory into practice. You season to taste. If you like more hoppers like Adam, you go more hoppers. If you want to bring a gobber in, you want to bring in two colossal squigs. If you want to bring in uh, some generic grots or spiders do, you do you you do you you bring in your own army season to taste um so i've got the hoppers as i mentioned they are uh very similar to you but i'm not using them as offensively as you i'm, I'm more uh using them on the sides of the board to steal objectives go for objectives early um i'm using them more as like board control as opposed to damage and screening because where i'm getting my screens from are my two units of 18 squig herd. So there is 36 wounds in each of those units, um, being that there are two wounds apiece. They do fit under the battalion. So this is a three drop, mm -hmm. um, the fungoid cave shaman and the colossal squig being the ones outside of the battalion. And the snuffers, no? Um, and the sneaky snuffers? Sorry, yes, yes, of course. Sorry, so yes, so the battalion, the snufflers, colossal fungoid. Sorry, four drops. You're right, sorry, four drops. That's why you're here. <laughs> um, so the squig code for me uh, really take advantage of that free six inch move. So if I am facing a carriage and overlords, a summoning unit, a teleporting army, some type of army that's going to rush into my face and iron jaws, iron suns or beast claw raiders, um, and allows me to push those sneaky, those, sorry, those, those squig herd forward six inches because I'm going to get one average two, luckily three. So they're a nice little screen. And if they die, um, I'm okay with that because they're going to do mortal wounds mm. um, when they run away and die. And then I can regenerate half of them and bring back nine squeak herd um, on a four plus. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, I mean it's it's a great so, it's a great unit. Yeah, I love it. It is. I, I would like to take. So I've played around with this a little bit, and I'm and, I, and I'm I'm tempted to drop the the sneaky snufflers. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'd rather maybe another unit of, say, Squeak Herd and maybe bring those units into more like units of 12 and maybe boost up the Squeak Hoppers. 
But uh, for me, the squig herd uh, allows me to be uh, in the battalion and gives me the screens and gives me some some nice little blobs as well. Like eighteen across the board can take up a lot of space, or it can deny up a lot of um, uh, the objective. Right, and they have the natural reroll to rerolls to charge right from the um... the the, the prodder, the musician. Yeah, yeah, which is also handy, yeah. especially with the teleport, right? Because you get the free reroll. Yeah. The other, the other ones as well is, uh, so the Boing Grob Bounders are probably more offensively, so I don't have the offensive squig hoppers. My Boing Grob Bounders are my offensive guys. They're running up, doing extra damage. Zap, uh, I've got big blocks of two units of 10, so there's a whole bunch of zapping happening uh, on that four plus on the charge. And I am tempted to go units of 15. Mm -hmm. uh, not that 15 can get into combat, but you are maximizing the zap yep. and you are... Um, when they come back, you're bringing back a unit of seven as opposed to a unit of five. So I think uh, I am tempted to go units of 15. In, but before the, the Jaws of Mork, I would never do 15. It's too much, too many points in one unit. But then the challenge that I personally have is when I then move up to 300 points for a unit of Boingrons, mm -hmm. am I better off with the Colossal Squeak? <laughs> um, and for me, my my favorite unit in this game, well, at least in Gloom Spike Gits, is the Colossal Squeak. Uh, it is a Forge World model. Um, uh, it's my absolute favorite, and, and I brought it in because of the damage potential and some of the sneaky snuff. Snuff. Sneaky snuff. <laughs> so it's 16 wounds. So the Colossal Squeak is 16 wounds. So for me, that is uh, the highest wounds that it can take. Um, it's it's massive compared to, let's say, your, uh, your Mangle mm -hmm. Squeak. Uh, it's, got, it's got some really cool rules. So it does have a missile, uh, a shooting attack, though it hits on a five, wins on a five. It's, uh, it, does do, it does D3 damage, but it's pretty inconsistent. But for me, the money comes in with the jaw attack. So it has a three-inch jaw attack. You get eight attacks from them. It hits on a two, and it wounds on a three. So it can synergize mm -hmm. with the, uh, the Loon boss on Mangler Squeak. So it only hits on a two. Wounds on a two. It has Ren two for D3 damage. But if you roll a six to hit, uh, it will do uh, mortal wounds instead. So, um, and that profile never, well, the eight attacks never degrades. So for me, I'm fishing for sixes. And no matter, however long that, that Colossal Squig's on the table, as long as I roll a six, I'm doing a whole bunch of mortal mm -hmm. wounds. Even though the, the profile is degrading on the hit roll, the eight attacks is consistent. Um, it does do some mortal wounds on the charge if uh, I think it's on a six, so it's okay. But where it's, it's naturally minus one to hit, so uh, the the puff spores uh, in melee is minus one to hit, so that's a nice little uh, sneaky thing. But then the coup de graph for me is that um, when it dies, it actually creates cave squigs. So it actually brings in some squig herd when it dies. So when it dies, it does some mortal wounds very similar to the mangle squeak, uh, but then you get to set up a unit of uh, of, of little squiggies. Uh, so you set up five cave squigs uh, in your army, uh, wholly within nine outside of three. So so for, from a squeak code point of view, uh, you get some some extra little rules. Yep. It's a good thing when the small squigs die, you can also return them through the loom shrine. Yeah. Um, so for me, you know, like if for me, you know, there's a question in the chat here that said, you know, ask asking about mm -hmm. the colossal squig versus the mangler squig. Um, for me, for me, the colossal squig doesn't have the synergies as the mangler squig just because uh, it's not a part of the jaws of Mork. 
so I don't get the plus one to the mm -hmm. bite weapon. But it's it's a it's a model that I can use on the table, and I don't need to babysit it. I don't need to synergize it. I, I can literally just take it, and it runs forward. Speaking of running forward, <laughs> it, at at full strength, it runs. Sorry, it moves four d six. So under light of the bad moon, adding you know the charge that could be five d six before you charge. So a four d six movement uh, means twenty four inches, and in in most in most maps, if you deploy that on the line at maximum range, you're charging every mm -hmm. you're charging any turn you want to charge it. Right. Yeah. No, definitely. I, I agree. I think the Mangler Squeak does a little bit more damage, but the Colossal Squeak is less swingy. As you said, it's a standalone model, doesn't need any support. It doesn't fly. It doesn't oh, right. fly, which is yeah. one of the, the bugbears. So uh, you've got to be very careful not to... Uh, and it's a big base. I think it's like 90 by 120. Mm -hmm. So it's easy to get caught up in terrain or your own model. So you've got to be very, very, very conscious of where you position it. And it can't jump over screens. Yeah, but I still I like the model, obviously. It's a giant squeak, so what's there not to like? Um I like the rules. I was thinking about trying it actually. I just never got the chance. I was I got so used to my list. I'm uh, I don't want to change anything these days. <laughs> and again, it goes back to the, the episode. We are we're sharing ideas, and if you don't like the colossal squeak or you love the colossal squeak, there's a couple of op options for you. Uh, good. Another good question from the chat was talking about the value of the squeak gobber. Uh, so the Squeak Gobba is another model from Forge World. There are two Squeak Forge World models. Uh, it is an artillery piece, so it has a range of 30 from memory, 24 to 30. Uh, it does like six attacks, hits on a four, wounds on three. It, it, it's, it's an okay profile, but what kills me with the Squeak Gobba is that it has no rend, so mm -hmm. it's quite hard to hit with it. And then when it does hit, um, it doesn't do a lot of damage, I find. Uh, but where I do find it's really good is it, it, it can be a nice backfield objective holder and it does some good damage in combat. So it can actually defend an objective quite well. The shooting attack is almost like a bonus. Um, for me, the Squeak Gobber, I'd love, if it had a little bit of rend or I could get a little bit more consistency in the attacks, I would bring a Squeak Gobber, uh, but not right now, unless I really love the model. And I do love the model. <laughs> How much points is it? Is it uh, around 100 something? Last time I checked, it was 160, yeah. um, which is, is, a, is a tough pill yeah. to swallow. Uh, yeah, so like the squeak, the squeak, you know, it, it hits, it has range 36 attacks, hits on a four, wounds on a three, no rend for D3 damage. So for me, that'd be really good for picking out support heroes if I could, right? It's very, very swingy. Lookout Sir is going to mm. make that a five. So it, for me, it, it's, it's, it's too hard. But then when it's in combat, um, it has a bite, It has a bite, right? A, a two-inch bite, three attacks, hits on threes, wins on threes, ran two for D3 damage. So um, it can be a nice little objective holder. It could be a nice support piece, but I don't find it does a lot of damage in shooting unless you have ways to buff it and Gits doesn't have a lot of buffing for shooting. Yep. Uh, and then the snufflers as well. So another cool way you can use a snufflers is using the hand of Gork to teleport them uh, and bring them forward, so to keep you in buff ranges. So, uh, and you did talk a little bit about the, the the loon boss on Cave Squeak, and sometimes it's hard for the for that to kind of keep up. The hand of Gork is another way to kind of uh, bring it forward and drop. So um, something to consider. 
Uh, I did I did play around with this list. I have played played this at a, at a couple of tournaments or some store tournaments. And another thing that I like to do is uh, maybe drop one of those squeak herds down. And uh, I did mention the Fungoid Cave Cave Shaman can double cast once per game. Uh, I did drop some of those squeak herd once to um, uh, to bring in this the Scuttle Tide mm -hmm. Endless Spell. Uh, which was a, a, a nice little 30 points and it allowed me to cheekily, um, you know, like again, zone off the board, manipulate the board a little bit, do some damage um, and kind of almost deny people coming into my squeak by blocking off parts of the board. So uh, that was an alternative build that I put in to one of my store tournament um, lists. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's a it's a possibility, definitely. The thing is, it's a cast on seven, right, or eight, even. Yeah, yeah, the the cast on seven, and it, 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 you're relying on the bad the bad moon mm -hmm. being on, um, or finding that arcane terrain. Well, it's it's a great spell. I love it. It's one of my favorite. I'm I'm used to it being on uh, Scragrup the Loon King, and he obviously gets an addition to cast, but. The seven is inconsistent, so you know be be, be mindful of staying out of your opponent's uh, unbind ranges. Look for that arcane terrain. Look for any way that you can kind of boost it, making sure that the bad the line of the bad moon is going to be on the side of where your wizard's going to be on. Um, any way that you can make that consistent, especially late game. So um, hmm. and and that, and that might actually mean putting the the bad moon on the other side of the board, and then kind of late game the line shines on you. Yep. Yep. No, I agree. Yep. So. Makes sense. <laughs> that's 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 my list. Um, I, I've I've got a few iterations to this list, mm -hmm. and I've manipulated them. You know, I've dropped those squeak codes from eighteen to twelves. I've you know made it a five drop by putting uh, an extra unit of squeak herd. Uh, I've boosted up the boing grots. I think the cool thing is is that there's a lot of synergy and there's a lot of different ways that you can build this list. And no matter how you want to play with your squigs, um, the you know, these battalions are really rewarding. The art, uh, the the rules that come with Jaws of Mork are really really rewarding, and ultimately creates consistency to what was traditionally a very frustrating and inconsistent army. Yep. Yep. No. Adam laughs because he, <laughs> he he knows I'm 100 percent correct. Yeah. It, it still is frustrating, right? There is still a lot of. Uh random numbers and dice rolls and stuff but not as much as before and that's a good thing no i'm, I'm okay with the random in damage mm -hmm. what was frustrating is when i was trying to set up the board and i was losing games because of the bad dice roll on my movement and and just burning command points just trying to be able to re-roll charges and mm -hmm. i'm just spending so many command points it was becoming frustrating early on but this now allows me to to be more strategic as opposed to putting my my squigs on the table and having a laugh which is what it was kind of becoming at, at one point yep yep no so it's, it's, it... no sorry go ahead <laughs> no i was i was gonna i was gonna try to try to wrap us up but like um we can wrap it up <laughs> i don't have no i uh no no no, no, no said, we don't uh, have to um no, no no i'm not saying we have to i'm just saying we think we said the the most important stuff about it i uh if i should make uh my guess as what the most competitive list would look like it would be probably more like yours and not like mine i think that the double stampede 
or at least one stampede and no squiggle launch is probably the way to go about the most competitive you can get i think uh making a most or more balanced list with some grots in and having the boinger boundaries as the heavy hitters is, is probably the, the the competitive wave i would i would say and I think the chat's just called me out. I think I might have actually uploaded my wrong list uh, because I believe the squeak, uh, the squeaker ledge requires one mangler squeak uh, without a loon boss. So I right. would probably change that list a little bit. Uh, <laughs> ignore me, guys. I, I might have uploaded my wrong list. This is what happens when you wake up at six o'clock in the morning to talk about lists. Right. We, um, we, I would probably we, just, yeah, drop. We, we even talked about it, right? I asked if it, there has to be one, and I, I, I yeah. didn't notice it either. So. <laughs> all good it happens no I, I think i put up the wrong list um i would be if i was going to change that list and bring it uh bring it more into leg legality i would just drop those squeak herd down a little bit and mm. bring in the colossal squeak so uh so so bring bring the squeak herd down a little bit uh and find those points for the uh the mangler squeak because it's only a 220 240 so it's not that mm -hmm. not that expensive so what what have you learnt by playing this and uh, kind of bringing us home what have you learnt what have by I learnt? playing this this list um that might not be natural to someone who's picking up that that white dwarf that battle tone for the first time it's uh i think it's pretty there's no hidden uh, uh wisdom there in the list it's pretty straightforward you know it's hard hitting glass cannon no bravery i think that's the biggest downfall of the whole uh list or the the squeaks because apart from the squeak hurt you don't really get anything from your models running away so i think the bravery even with the command trait you can reroll it it's still the biggest issue of the list right now um it's a it's a I think the biggest strength of the of the list is the as i said already many times is the movement it's it's can be so great so low but the randomness is also the strength and the weakness at the same time but with the consistency yeah, I think, I think... That, sorry with the consistency that the jobs of more gave us it's more to the strength side than the weakness side so that's good um yeah i think i think for me it's it's about knowing when to give away first turn and when to take first turn uh, and thinking about the threat ranges, thinking about not the potential of squeaks, but rather uh, what is the average. So yes, my colossal squeak can move four d six, so it does have a you know a movement potential of twenty four. But what's the likelihood of getting that twenty four? What's the likelihood, and what would I do if I rolled under mm. average? So um, planning for the best, um, but also having a plan if you go. Um, and I think that's where. As a squeak player, you can't go too far in advance. So you can't think that I'm going to do in turn one, I'm going to do this, then I'm going to do this, then I'm going to do this, because that free inch, that free six inch move could only be one unit. It might not be the three. The the, the move roll or squeak lure might not go off. So uh, have lots of different options uh, and, and, and do consider that. Any other final thoughts or considerations that you would have with with the squeaks? considerations just go and buy them don't wait for nothing <laughs> we need more squeaks there is not enough there's not enough i love it <laughs> uh 
I love it. I love that. I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I uh, couldn't agree with you more. I'm just doing the maths now and trying to justify my wrong oh. my wrong uh, <laughs> army list. I can't, believe, I can't believe the first army list I talk about, I upload the wrong version of it. I'm such a dickhead. Uh, I was just looking at it. I dropped the, the, the squeak hoppers down each. So that would bring me 70, 70. Dropped the, the snufflers. That's 100. That, that brings me to 210. Uh, I've got 10 points up my sleeve. So that's another 220. I've got to find 20 points somewhere. We'll work it out. We'll work it out. But I'm sure the chat is very forgiving that I uploaded my wrong list. Uh, but this has been awesome, Adam. It's been really insightful to hear talking about squigs. Had a whole, whole bunch of cool people in the chat talking all things squigs. Um, go out there, go buy it, go play it. Uh, Games Workshop have shown their hand and they are rewarding us with a whole bunch of cool rules. And it sounds like these are going to be around for the long term. So um, if you've got a tournament near you, go play with them. And I'd love to hear what your lists look like. Definitely. Me too. Still learning. <laughs> All right, guys. Adam. If people want to find you, I've got your Twitter handle in the uh, the episode description. Any any shout outs, anyone you want to call out, or if people want to talk to you more, where can they find you? It, probably the Twitter, I would say. That's where I react the most. Uh, I have a bunch of other social media I don't really check. So just if you want to speak to me, go via the Twitter. Yeah, definitely. If you are Czech and you are watching this, uh, just get in touch with me. I will send you uh, our Discord for the Czech community. There is not enough of us, so <laughs> never enough. Um, but yeah, I think that's that's all from me. Do you want to give us a uh, a goodbye in in uh, your native tongue? Uh, goodbye. Uh, well, like anything like like, like give a <laughs> shout out to all, all your Czech all your Czech people, uh, not in English, not in English. Um, I, I haven't prepared. I, I don't know what to say. You put me on the spot. Um... Don't worry about it. <laughs> All right. Don't worry about it. I'll, I'll say, guys, don't forget to name your characters. And uh, Adam, thank you for your time. Uh, Twitter handles below. Uh, if you like this episode, go and uh, crush the like and subscribe and all that YouTube stuff. But Adam, thank you very much for your time. Uh, thanks for everyone hanging out with us. I'll see you all guys all again very soon. Mate. How good was that video? Surely it's going to go straight to the pool room. If you enjoyed that video, I would appreciate it if you crush that like button. And if you have an opinion, leave it in the comment section. That lets YouTube know it's a great video and it should share it with other Age of Sigmar players. Cheers to all the bloody legends here on the screen who have financially supported AOS Coach on Patreon on YouTube members. Their contributions have helped me improve the quality, frequency, and the variety of content on this channel. So cheers, guys. You are bloody legends. Until the next video, don't forget to shoot the heroes and have a good one.